0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody,
1: and let's get to pumping, cause it's real to the time, baby. Rip City is jumping okay, now. up the middle. Hit. Oh. Hey. All right. Come on, everybody!
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 116th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and hey. I got my man Sage
1: right next to him in Rip City. We are recording directly after Game Four. And you've reached the realm of the real, where the real should chill. And uh, Only real ones are listening right only now. Only real ones are listening right now, man. Because
0: Portland fought valiantly, <laughs> yeah. but New Orleans was too much down the stretch with the two-man game of Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. They outlasted Portland 131-123 to take the series 4-0 and will likely now look at Golden State in the conference semis. Whereas the Trailblazers now really have to look internally, and it could be a grossly, uh, me, a vastly different roster come
1: October. Absolutely, man. Though just the way they ended it, getting 4-0'd by a team without Boogie Cousins, like, the narrative was like this team should have. It should have been a competition, not a steamrolling.
0: It should have been a six or seven game series. Drag regar- out five. regardless who won. We walked home from 21st Kitchen and Bar. Shout out to Neela Madison for putting together an amazing megapod watch party for Game 4. And as Sage and I I were walking home, we were talking about how New Orleans was the better team. But if you simulate that series 10 times, maybe once you get Pelicans in 4. I I think that's the most surprising element uh, of this postseason is I'm not angered. I'm not disappointed. I'm shocked.
1: I I mean let's go back to that the party did you notice me in the last five minutes of that game? I didn't notice I was just in the corner (laughs) shout out to Linnea one of uh, my internet friends for showing up I could actually like be emotional next to her because I knew my shit was going to annoy the fuck out of you (laughs) at that time
0: I I even though I knew the series was over, I was hoping Portland could get just one. But you know, Drew Holiday had an answer every time. I, people want to say Anthony Davis, but it's it's been Drew Holiday's series. He's the MVP, spe- especially offensively. If you remember, it was Game One. He was the one that really led the charge every time we needed. Every time we made a run, he answered, and it was down the stretch as well. And then Game Four, every time we made a push. He had an answer, and unfortunately, Portland was too late on on the adjustments. When you're getting cooked by one of the best two-man performances I can remember, when you have Drew Holiday getting 41, Anthony Davis getting 47, both shot combined, a 30 for 47. Mm-hmm. At, at what point do you send a secondary defender? Because it was just a straight-up pick-and-roll every single time set a secondary defender to trap that pick-and-roll and and make a guy like Aton Moore, Solomon Hill, even Ian Clark or Rajon Rondo, shoot a jump shot because really, I don't think anybody outside of those two players took a shot in the fourth
1: quarter. Yeah, and I mean, the the Blazers didn't force them to, so why not work with the pick-and-roll that's worked for the last three years? The Drew Holiday-Anthony Davis pick-and-roll is one of the more dangerous plays in all of basketball, so if you're not going to do anything to make it harder for him. What's the point in stopping it yourself? Yeah, one of the reasons I did not want to play the Pelicans was we traded
0: away Noah Vonley. Now I'm not saying Noah Vonley was going to put the clamps down in Anthony Davis, but he still was, I think our, our one of our best overall defenders, especially at switching the pick and roll and playing on the perimeter. If you have Vonley, you're able to put him on Davis you're able to put him out on Miritich and you let Aminu roam. And we saw Portland have a little success late in that fourth putting Aminu on Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. It, how nice would it have been for a Blazer fan to see Aminu just clamp down as do as much as he can on Drew Holiday from game one. But he couldn't because he was forced to guard Anthony Davis and as great of a defender as Aminu is, he is just too
1: small and not strong enough. Doesn't have enough length to defend Anthony Davis. And I mean, Drew... First three games was doing like and one dribble moves on our on our on our defenders, but when he tried to do any cute shit against Aminu, it got stolen. Like it was cookies. Aminu on Drew would have been the right play if we had another post defender, but putting anyone that we had on the roster at the time on Davis is just you know suicide. Aminu at least tried on Davis, but you know. There is not many players that can go on Davis defensively. It's just it's a rare breed. It's like Gobert and Vonley tries like it's random athletically like like hyper athletic big dudes that can bully him.
0: And Portland put themselves in a the 03 hole going into tonight and if you would have said that we're going to get 27 from Aminu on 55% shooting, Evan Turner's going to chip in 15 on 50% shooting. New York's going to give you 18-11, and 11. CJ's going to give you 38 on 68% shooting, and you're going to get 9-5-6 and 6 from Dame, Dame shooting a respectable 44, you're feeling like you're going to get the win with 123 points, but up until tonight, we had not seen the dominant two-man game of Holiday and Davis, and going through a seven-game series, it's just like rolling dice, it's bound to come up, and unfortunately, it was tonight, if you were Portland. You would expected that, and that's when New Orleans is going to get their victory. Had you handled your business in Game Two and Game One,
1: your season doesn't end right now. And like looking back on it, I think Game One was just intensity, and the reason the the Pelicans won was intensity. It wasn't any other. I mean, obviously it was a defensive team, but it was just the the activity that they played, and that went. I, I think if it went the other way, I don't. I, this would be a totally different game. But it gave them confidence that, to say, oh, we can handle this team. We just have to play this hard and believe in ourselves. And we let a team that has some talent believe in themselves. And I think it comes back to Terry Stotts. I know he's
0: so beloved in Rip City and everyone wants to make Neil O'Shea the, the scapegoat. Dude, there can be more than one scapegoat. Like There is plenty of blame to be passed around, but Stotts completely got outclassed. And we saw tonight... That when you actually go into Yusuf Nurkic, Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans wanted to ride or die with that small frontcourt yeah. of Anthony Davis and Nico Nurkic, and it worked because we did not make them pay on the other end. So Nurkic is free to roam, hitting threes. He was extremely quiet tonight, ten points on only eight field goal attempts, and you know why? Because he had his hand—he had his hands full trying to defend Nurk in the paint, and Nurk went went, went ballistic mm-hmm. and. We saw Portland have some success in late in game one when they made that push going into Nurkic. But in game two, we were killing them on the glass. You were texting me during that game saying, we got to bring a Mecca Okafor in the game. Because there's no way we're going to win this game giving up all those offensive rebounds. Portland was, I think, up six or seven points at the half. Well, we went completely away. We matched their small ball. And that was our one card we had.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was was lights out. Well, I think... Blazers have been the number one rebounding team. And when you go away from your absolute strength to match up with small ball, it bites you in the ass. I think if I was the coach, I would have had two bigs in at all time and forced them to put a mecha in. Like, Nico works hard, but he's not a good post defender. So, force them to take the guy who's hitting threes after three out of the game. Urban just outcoached everybody.
0: I mean, Yeah, and you, you called that on, on the playoff preview and really made life miserable for Damian Lillard. And they really said, anybody but Dame. And again, as we were walking back from the watch party, it was kind of frustrating to see that it was actually CJ McCollum that had more success isolated against Drew Holiday than, than Damian Lillard. Not saying CJ's better than, than Dame, but he, he has a different... Movement, movement, exactly. He's a little bit more shiftier, a little bit more kind crafty. of crafty. Yeah, he's just very crafty. You know, they call him Crafty James, you know, for a reason. I and mean, he was able to utilize the in and out dribble, the the hesitations, the quick chains of motion mm. to get to the basket and finish. And this was one of the best games I've seen CJ play, and it was a lot of quick decisions, quick movements. Um, I think I was actually told over this on, on the walk over was. When I had watched highlights from two years ago when we beat the Clippers and played the Warriors tough in five, you know, to get excited for the, for this postseason, that CJ was doing a lot of the same things we saw tonight. It was a lot of quick movements, catch and shoots, and I think over the past two years he's kind of gone a little bit and one, a little Iverson light, where he's putting the ball in his hands and trying to just shake his defender, When he just puts his foot on the gas and goes. He was already making those moves, and you got the and one highlights right there. It's just frustrating it took up until the third or fourth quarter of game four, to, to realize, maybe let's ISO CJ and let Dame play off the ball rather than continuing to run a high pick and roll where it's just basically basically hot potato. And, but it is what it is. Portland is now going home. And Sage, what do you think? Did you see anything else? I mean, we could talk about the bench, but... I think that is going to be a huge pain point for the Trailblazers going into the offseason because they only got six points for, from their bench. And I like Zach Collins not taking shit from Rondo. I mean, Zach definitely has fight to him, and I think he is going to be a nice player, uh, especially defensively. He's really got to go to the gym and work on that three. Teams are going to give him that shot. He needs to make them pay. Um Wade Baldwin looks looks pretty good. Shabazz didn't play at all. I did notice he had wraps around his ankles. He's I I think he's been dinged up, and it's not really being reported on because he's he's regressed quite a bit since the probably since the All Star break. I mean, he was one of our better guards December and January. Um, Pat had deer in the headlights. Ed Davis was completely neutralized, and
1: Evan Turner, You never know really what you're. Gonna yeah, get. it's like yeah. I'm just proud that it should, like, Ed showed some fight, uh, Al Farouk, I loved how he fought. Like, you could tell he wanted to win every single game. He was, like, the only person that absolutely tried every every possession. I mean, the game plan that New Orleans drew up forced Al Farouk to be a star player, and it, he hit a good amount of threes, That just he forgot... He wasn't Steph Curry in some moments and bricks him.
0: I mean, yeah, but you're never going to complain when you get 11 of 20 field goals, 5 of 11 from 3, 27 points. That That's that's the complete opposite of letting him beat you. Mm. Like, he made them pay every single
1: but time. But it wasn't off catch-and-shoot threes. He took it in and did his weird Euro step. And I stuff mean, when you that. put up
0: 123, the offense was not the problem. Yeah. The offense was... What I expected from this Blazers team, just defensively, we didn't have an answer. We didn't make adjustments. And now you go into an off season where your, your GM's on the hot seat. I, I have to imagine that Terry Stotts is on the hot seat. Portland has lost 10 straight playoff games, including five at home. And when I said the stat after game one, it was seven straight. And everyone was like, well, yeah, because they're all from the Warriors. Well, look at it a little bit more closely now, because it's been two different franchises that have really punked us. And Paul Allen needs to really look in the mirror and say, is this Dame and CJ backcourt going to work? I've wanted it to work so hard, mm. but you're not treating Damian Lillard. And really, he's your only realistic trade chip." Now, I'm not saying trade CJ at all costs. I, I do think you have to be more open. And if it's a beneficial trade for your team, I mean, you may have, may have to look at that because you look at the Western Conference. Golden State's not going anywhere. Houston's not going anywhere. New Orleans is still very young. Who knows how they're going to be with Cousins,
1: if Cousins is even healthy.
0: But we know right now they're better than Portland. Minnesota was better than us before Jimmy Butler went down.
1: Utah's young up and
0: I mean, so I think those are four. Portland could be in that five through eight. But is that where you want to be if you're a Trailblazer fan? Like, we've done this for six years. We had a really strong team in 2014 and 2015. Unfortunately, injuries and LaMarcus Aldridge cost that team to really hit the reset button. I mean, I think it might be time for, you know, this has really been the post Lamarcus era mm. for the past, you know, three or four seasons. And from what I've seen, it's, it's not super fun having the Rip City roller coaster regular season and then going into the playoffs and basically it's a, re- it's, it's a rerun. Like we, we've all seen that this, this performance, like, this is nothing new. Like this, this shouldn't shock us that this happened. I mean, I still am in the fashion it happened. But if you were to say Pelicans win in six, I'd be like, yeah, that, that's
1: our realistic. Well, the thing I have issue with stats is playoff Is all playoffs are all about adjusting to the circumstances, and for whatever reason, it might be stubbornness. We did not adjust to the circumstances of what New Orleans was throwing at us every possession, every time we did a pick and roll. And New Orleans was able to adjust, and that's why they won. They had a good game plan, stuck with it, and when stuff didn't go well, they adjusted on the fly. And Captain Terry Stotts wasn't going to let that stuff go. He was going to be the it was going to be the same team every single game, except you know they made it interesting in the fourth quarter. So if Paul Allen does pull the plug on the Stotts experiment after six seasons, Well, I've been begging for that for three
0: years. <laughs> who I have some candidates, but who would who would be some
1: some people you would like to see interviewed? But I, I mean, Bud is not my number one. Coach Budenhauser is number one. Why? The way he makes his team, they play as a team, he develops talent, he can coach players up. We have talented guys that aren't getting the right coaching. I mean, like, we don't have a big man coach, I think, and Bud is one of those guys that is willing to work with other people to make the team better. I mean, obviously, he's
0: from the Popovich coaching tree, which is a big bonus in my book, and two people want to say, oh, the Atlanta Hawks head coach? Really? Really? Well, they won 60 games two years ago. <laughs> one, they gutted their team. And two, they did win 60 games with Al Horford as their best player. Mm-hmm. So right, let's not let this season be the, the end-all be-all when they were trying to lose. So aside from Boone another pop disciple that I would love to give an in interview to is Becky Hammond from the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I think she's ready for a, a head coaching job. When she was granted the opportunity to coach their summer league team, what did she do? She led them to the championship. And it's hard to get players devoted to winning in Summer League when it's really just about player progression. Um, She was a great player in the WNBA. She obviously has the smarts, the fundamentals. And I just think it would be great. I mean, obviously, we're a progressive organization. It's going to happen sooner or later. And it's not just because she's a woman. It's
1: because she has the credentials Mm. to back it up. I I mean, another Spurs disciple is if we are keeping Nurkic, I would love to see what Editor Mazina can do with him. Because he's like, who's currently coaching the Spurs right now? Right now, after the unfortunate passing of, of Coach Pop's wife, Aaron. So I mean, like, editor's about big men being active. We have a young beast that's twenty four, and, and Zach Collins. If we if he can develop them into being stars or better, like much better than what they are, it his signing is worth it. And I mean, like, he's one in Europe, and he's a legit, like, legendary coach in Europe. Let's see what he could do with Portland. You know, I would also, two other candidates I would like to
0: see. One, I've been on the David Fisdale bandwagon for a long time. Anybody who comes from Eric Spolstra through Pat Riley and really gets the sign off of a LeBron James, like, he did an amazing job in Memphis, and Mark Gasol essentially got him the axe, which I thought was unjust. And then if you want to kind of, again, be a trailblazer, give Jay Wright. A shout out. I mean, the guy doesn't win with superstars. I mean, he actually goes out and recruits guys that are gonna play three or four years. He's not really a one and done coach. He's won two of the past three national championships. And look at Boston. They took a they took a chance on a college coach named Brad Stevens from small Butler University, and Brad Stevens is now a top three coach in the NBA. So I know people are saying, Ooh, that's a lot of risk. He could be worse than Stotts. Absolutely. But we know this is Stotts' peak. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've we've plateaued with where we're at, I'm willing to roll the dice and just see what else is out there.
1: Well, it, 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 what is the goal of this organization? Is it to win a championship? Or is it to be a fun playoff team that gets bounced embarrassingly in the first round? If the if it's the latter, sure, let's keep stocks But if you're trying to improve as a team and as a unit, let's try a, a, a Steven Silas. That's my boy. It's been my boy for the last three years. Oh my god. Did you see bassie has got hops. Dustin's cat just jumped over. Your size 15 Air Force (laughs) 1. Yeah, so props to him. That was very distracting.
0: Sign him. Sign Sign him, dude. Sign him up. But (laughs) Stotts isn't the only one that goes, that, that that we get to play the blame game with. I think Neil O'Shea, I've been a Neil Apologist for forever. And it was at the at the trade deadline where he didn't do anything other than give away Noah Your just, beloved just so we couldn't pay the tax for one year. That's not sitting well with me. I
1: mean and, he's just saving his boss a few hundred thousand.
0: Yeah, and he has he's stubborn. Like, he's drafted his guys and he's not and he's not going away from it. I, I feel like he's too invested in the situation. I think it's time for him to go. I, I just I want to see change overall. Um, I want Sam Hickey. I don't necessarily think we have to do the whole process thing, but again, as we were walking back, I was like, Sage, he was right on a lot of things I Mm -hmm. gave him shit for. Mm -hmm. I gave him shit for drafting uh, Joel Embiid, who I thought was injured. Yes, he was, but it paid off. I gave him shit for trading Alfred Payton for Dario Saric when Saric was two years away from coming over. Well, Saric is now a beast. You know, he was smart enough to... Take on Carl Landry and Nick Stauskas in exchange for a pick swap when the Sacramento Kings were not going to be good. You know, a few years down the road,
1: like he found Robert Covington out of like Middle Tennessee or something. It wasn't like a big school, so he can find talent. It it sucks. Like this is like the the normal way that people would sign people so raid the Spurs' cabinet, but. It's been rated three different times. Like, I think mean, Dell Demps was the Austin Toros GM when he got signed to New Orleans. I mean, that first cabinet is rated. So if, if I'm a fan, the first two steps I want to see
0: are changes up top at the coach and GM level. I don't think you need to make wholesale changes on on the roster. You do need to make some. But, again, I don't think you just need to panic trade Dame or CJ. Make sure it's – if you're going to make a trade, really say, is this how is this going to impact us this year, but also in three years? Because in two years, we're going to have a lot of money coming off our books. And if we're smart with the salaries we give out, we could be a player in free agency. And, really, I know free agency hasn't treated us well, but if we want to win with Damian Lillard, we're going to have to ride out these next years and, and hope somebody comes to us because that's – I think internally, outside of maybe Zach Collins, we're we'll probably tapped. Mm. So,
1: and I, I know a lot of people are worried, what, what's Dame going to think, or what's CJ going to think if we let Stotts go, but if Budenholzer or Hammond or whomever could take him to the next level, they're not going to care about Terry Stotts's feelings when they're fighting in the finals for a game. They're just not. Also, do you know who was really mad that Mark Jackson got
0: the axe for the Warriors? <laughs> Steph Curry and Klay Thompson yeah. flat out that this is a terrible decision.
1: Well, I think they're pretty happy now with Steve Kerr. I mean, success is a is the thing that players will look at, and if we're successful with it, of course, taking a chance is scary. But losing in the first round of four games and being getting the dog shit stomped out of us it sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now we are a treadmill team that can tease you with winning 13 straight but can also tease you by losing four straight. I mean this whole year was really no no different than the, the end of the season. We would always win three then lose four or win four then lose three. I mean it was a consistent inconsistency and you know I just, I just think they they have more talent than than that and I, I just think that focus they need they need a new voice because I, I don't I think Steri sauce is a little bit too much of a player's coach. And if you want to look at a red flag, I believe it was late, late in December. We had just won three or four on the road. I think it was after that Knicks game. We almost blew, but we we held mm, on. And we, yeah, it was I actually like, blew. The, the Wizards come back, and then we beat the Knicks, and then we came home and just got stomped by the Bucks. We lost like six straight at home, and the guys all were interviewed after that first Bucks game. And they basically said, "Yeah, we thought we were better than we were." Like that to me, just that they need leadership. I think Stotts is like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" I'm your bud. I'm let's go get some beers. I think they need someone who's going to be more of a dad than, than a best friend. You know who I would love to see in Portland again? Monty Williams. Oh hell yeah, <sighs> yeah. Monty's the man. Yeah, that's all the bears in the background. She's a big Monty Williams fan. Monty Williams, huge credit for developing Travis Outlaw. Um, did an amazing
1: job. Uh, in Portland under his time with with Nate McMillan. But, I mean Ma- a Monty Coach team is never gonna think they're better than they actually are. Like they're and they're gonna play hard every single game. But you know, we'll have
0: another podcast probably in a week or two where we go more into, you know, roster moves, what we could get in free agency. Right now my man over here has got to catch a flight back down to Southern Oregon. So thanks for sticking with us all season long. Uh, we will be doing a lot of TBTs over the summer. Um, probably, you know, talk talk playoffs. Definitely talk draft. It the draft is now all of a sudden a lot more interesting with Portland if they want to go to the the youth movement and trade up for into the lottery for a guy that Neil O'Shea, if he's still here, has his eye on. But always find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes at Holy Backboard. Uh, give us a, a subscribe. Uh, give us a great comment, and we're also on social, Facebook, Twitter, and the gram,
1: at Sage. Any last words? No, I'm good. Uh, just got a weird tweet. Uh, so, um, I'm developing more shows. They'll be out soon, so keep your eye out on that, and of course, check out Baller Back. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinely. Good night, everybody. Let's go! go.